I'm Stuart. Uh, I'm an intern here with RUF. Um, ben is my benevolent supervisor. Um, yes, I'm very, I'm very thankful for the passage that we're looking up tonight. Um, very thankful. Uh, is uh, yeah. This passage has been um, yeah, it's been hit, hitting home really hard for me. I think um, thinking about as we're in this world, how we go about our lives as if um, and we live as if we don't know God or He's not there. We're almost like spiritual orphans. Um, and I think this passage kind of gets right into that. That's sort of the, this underlying current um, of the passage is, yeah, that we, so often we live, we live our lives, we place our hearts in things, uh, we spend our time, we treasure things as if we're orphans. Uh, what is it, but what does it look like to be an orphan? I mean, if you think about that, we live, do we live to take care of ourselves? We live to look out for ourselves. We have to provide everything for ourselves. Um, every, every responsibility of my life falls on me if I'm an orphan. Uh, and if I fail, I'm the one to suffer the consequences. So there's this pressure to provide, to store up, uh, to make everything secure, um, to take care of myself. Uh, and so as, as when we live as if we're not, um, as if God's not there, we learn to fight for our lives and our jobs, um, our relationships, our health, even just our identity, who we think we are. Um, we have to fight for that. So everything must be provided by me for me, um, that we live, we live, yeah, we live in a world where, uh, or we, we live as if we live in a world uh, where those things are true, where we feel like orphans. And in, in that place, what does God look like? Um, I think we're going to see Jesus tells this beautiful parable that I, I think, uh, yeah, he tells this beautiful parable, but for this guy in the parable, and for me, and I think for some of you, he's kind of operating like this. His, his sort of on-the-ground, day-to-day uh, beliefs about God, something like this, that God is far away, that God doesn't care about me, he doesn't care about my circumstances, so I have to care for myself. God doesn't even know that I need the things that I think I need. He's not paying attention to me. Uh, he's not looking out for me. He's not even aware uh, that life is continuing to steamroll me. Uh, yeah, I'm on my own. Any kind of flourishing or even just uh, keeping the status quo has to come from me, 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 me. Um, so so in, in that place, I think sometimes, yeah, our, to be an orphan, 
to pray to a distant God looks like, well, why would you pray? He's distant. Maybe he's obligated to answer your prayers, but he's also very far off. Um, So I think the question I want to go into this passage with, the question I want us to ask is, whether you know God or not, if you know God, what does he do when he sees you living like that? For the person who knows God, who believes in Jesus, who's been adopted as a child, what does God do? And also, what do you do if you don't, if you don't know him? Uh, is he distant from you? Does he not care? Um, yeah, let's, I'm going to ask those questions and look at that. So would you stand with me while we read the word of God, read this passage? This is Luke 12. This is 13 through 34 verses. Someone in the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, 
with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Would you pray with me? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this passage um, that speaks so clearly uh, of your provision for your children. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be active in our hearts, um, would help us to understand, Jesus, what you are saying here. Um, help us to understand uh, not just that you're talking about birds and flowers, but Lord, uh, I pray that your word would uh, penetrate our tired, um, cold hearts. Um, It would bring life, um, would bring joy, would bring freedom, would bring trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would be with us and that you would use um, your word in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And we pray these things to the God who is gladly giving his children many good things. Um, Amen. Y'all can be seated. I think as, so as I began to sort of read through this passage and write this sermon, this passage kind of started digging into my heart. Um, it wasn't something I was just kind of studying from afar. It was kind of jumping off the page at me and really uh, starting to expose a lot of the things that I love. Um, as I as came into later last week, I started writing uh, writing part of the sermon and and I wanted to write really clearly and really quickly and uh, I wanted it to be clear and winsome and smart uh, and I really I focused so intently on okay how am I writing this how am I doing am I doing well at this I wanted to assure myself that I was okay and this Anxiety kind of crept in under the door and kind of kept building. It's like, well, I better try harder. I feel anxious about this. That means I'm not doing well enough. My fears are coming true. I need to try harder. And as I (laughs) continued to do this, I realized, wow, I am like the rich fool I place my eggs this one basket of Stuart is going to do well. Stuart is going to match up to his standards. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing that's not going to pay off. I'm getting more confused, feeling less competent as I go along. And this anxiety is building, this fear. Um, And seeing, I am just like the rich fool. I've set my heart on my own success, my own glory, my own performance. And it's empty. And that's what's terrifying me. 
Okay, where, where do I see myself with the rich fool? Look down at the passage with me. He is so focused on providing for himself on his stuff. He's living like an orphan, that God is far away. God doesn't care about him. God will not provide. God's not listening. Starting in in verse 17, or 16, the land of the rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said this, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. That is, it's not that he's pursuing something bad. There's nothing wrong with having full silos of grain. Uh, but you see, you see his heart in this passage. That, okay, I have lots of crops, and I've built larger barns, and I have supplies for many years. Now I can rest. I've secured my life. I've secured food and goods and money. Now, soul, relax, eat, drink, be merry. That he's, he's grasping for life in this, in his crops, in his stores, in his goods. And God says to him, fool, this night your soul or your life is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So I, I, I focus all of my energies on securing things for myself and building myself up. I think we all do this. And maybe, maybe this example doesn't really come home to you because you're not preaching at RUF. <laughs> but maybe it's, oh, yes. I paid the rent, and I have money. I have money to go to the movies and to go out to eat. I'm safe, soul, rest. Or, I got that internship. Yes, soul, relax, be at rest. Or maybe it's, I, I have to find a roommate for next fall. If I find just the right roommate then I can rest and rejoice. None of of those things are bad. It's not bad to have money to go out to eat. It's not bad to get good internships. That's a good thing. It's not bad to love your roommates. But when this is, when that is the the target of our hearts, is that's what we treasure, and that's what we build our life upon, Jesus says it well. He points out very basic things. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or or about your body, what you will put on. 
And he's, I think he's setting up the crowd that's there listening to him. And the disciples. Don't be anxious about these things because your father knows that you need them. And so he, he uses examples just from around creation. Peter and the writer of Hebrews say that all of creation was created through Jesus and by Jesus. And so he's completely aware <laughs> of everything around him. And he chooses the ravens and the lilies as an example of God's kingdom. He goes, look at the ravens. Look what they don't do. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't build storehouses and store up their food. God provides food for them. They're not wrought with anxiety over where the next worm is coming from. But the Father provides that for them. And he says, look at the lilies. Consider them. They don't try to clothe themselves. They don't fret about it. They don't pour all of their energy into that. I guess botanically they do. But, But he says, look, the Father has clothed them in more glory than King Solomon. With all of his riches, he could not have clothes more beautiful than this lily. And if, if God clothes them like that, how will he not take care of you as well? When he says you, he's speaking to his disciples. These are disciples. These, they have been adopted by God, children of God. And yet they're completely blind to their father who takes care of them. They are anxious. Otherwise, Jesus would have no reason to say this. If God so clothes them and provides for them, won't he also provide for you? I think he's saying. So Jesus starts to give us a picture of what does God's kingdom look like? They're saying, don't worry, because God's providing. The kingdom is one of provision, and it's one of plenty. There's freedom, and there's rest there. Everyone and everything is taken care of by God. So he encourages them. Don't be anxious, but instead seek the kingdom. And all these other things, they'll be added to you. God will take care of them. And then for fearful disciples, for anxious college students, and for me... (laughs) This is even better news. Fear not, little flock. Jesus is called the great shepherd. You can imagine a shepherd on a hillside talking to his lambs. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's not a distant God who, if you pray the right combination of words, begrudgingly gives you the kingdom. No, it's his good pleasure. So he starts to build this bigger picture of the kingdom. That it's not just one of freedom and rest and goodness and provision, but God loves to give it to his children. 
So we see, yeah, and then he gives us, so, so he's kind of awakening the disciples. He's awakening us up to the fact that if you are in Christ, if you are a child of God, if you've been adopted by his grace, by his mercy, then it is God's good pleasure to give you this. That he's not just saying, okay, here's a a to-do list, don't be anxious. It's not just uh, a task to do. But he's saying, no, as children of God, we have you need to be woken up. I need to be woken up. That this anxiety, this fear over trying to control all of life, it doesn't fit in the kingdom of God. Jesus is not berating the disciples. He's not making fun of them or, you know, oh, tisk tisk, don't be anxious. He's encouraging them. Fear not, little flock. He's encouraging them that their anxiety is not in line with what's true about them, with what's true about the God who draws near to his children, who provides for them, who knows their needs and loves to give them the kingdom and the king, who is Jesus. So what is this? So what? What does this look like? What does it look like to try to wake up to the reality that if you're in Christ, you're a child of God and he loves you and he provides for you? When we understand that God's giving the kingdom, well, Jesus gives us some really practical advice. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. He's saying, look, in the kingdom, you don't have to hold on to every bit of money that you have. You don't have to hold on to every penny and put it towards your own flourishing and thriving. The Father's going to take care of you. You can be free with your money. You can sell your possessions, and you can give to people who need it. Because we see that as a picture of God giving graciously to us. Um, and when we, see, when we rightly see who God is, it drives out fear. Because, you see, the creator of the whole universe, the Lord of hosts... The Almighty God, with all of his heavenly, eternal resources at hand, and his good pleasure in giving his children the kingdom. And he's aiming it at providing for his people. That we don't have to fear, we don't have to be terrified that if I don't get this internship, my life won't be on track. We don't have to be terrified that if my girlfriend breaks up with me, my life will be worthless. My life will crumble. We don't have to fear life. We don't have to fear these things because we know that our Heavenly Father is patiently and very intimately near to us and providing for us.
So do you, do you live like you're an orphan? I think so often I do. We live as if God is distant, he doesn't care, he's not providing for us. Um, so would you pray with me that the Lord would use this passage where he's showing us how good he is, how gracious he is to stoop down and to care for sinners, to take his children and to provide for their need and to draw them closer to him. Pray that we would see God as he is, God as the father who provides and who is, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And if you, if you don't know Jesus, he is laying out this invitation for you. He's saying, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Believe in me. Come on in, the water is fine. There's freedom and there's rest here. There's an infinite, eternal Father who is drawn near and provides for your every need. And that is the good news. That the Lord is not far off. He's not distant. But he has given us his king. And along with that, he has given us a kingdom. Where we have life. And everything we need is provided for. And we are free to give of ourselves. To seek the father. To seek the king. Uh, who is Jesus. That is good news. <laughs> uh, would you pray with me? Jesus, uh, Lord, we thank you. Um, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for Jesus, his sacrifice, that he would die for sinners like us. Um, Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers. Uh, we thank you that you use you use your word uh, to grow us, to show us more of what you're like, show us more of how gracious and merciful you are. Lord, I pray you would continue to do that throughout this week. I thank you for tonight. I thank you uh, for everyone here. I pray that you would be working in their hearts, working in my heart um, to draw us closer to you. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus, the King, whose kingdom is coming. Amen.